Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Gone are the spring events and the winter of sports, beginning with the majors in tennis and golf. It's the summer on the women's side, on the champion side of the senior tour of golf, but also the next golf major after the Masters, the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills, eastern Long Island. We're pretty close, but it gives us some perspective on how important golf is as a charitable institution, $4 billion a year for charity with golf, but more important than that, how fundamentally the business of charity intersects with the business of golf. A guy who is not a golfer, but he certainly knows more about business than anybody, almost anybody alive, Dan Calaruso, the global editor for Reuters Digital. How are you? Thanks. I would say almost anybody alive, but I but I, I, I keep an ear to the ground. Yeah, I think this is an interesting uh, time we're at here, especially for the golf world, because, you know, big golf is trying to regain its broad scale relevance. Um, sponsors have other ways to get to people. And where does that cr- end? We're at a time when sports and social issues um, and the economics of each are intersecting, right, in a real viable way. So I think in that sense, um, there have to be some new ways to do this, right? And that's what makes it a kind of cool inflection point if you're a creative business person on either end of that spectrum, right? So I think, you know, from your point of view, I mean, you know, you follow this closely. You're very big. I mean, philanthropy and sports is kind of one of, I see, one of your specialties and one of the things you love to talk about. And, and you know, I'd love to hear more about, like, is there really, are there really some new models emerging or is this just a different brand, a different way for financial companies and big retail brands to get in front of rich white people. Well, and it's a very important transition because Mike King has been the national president and CEO of Volunteers of America for eight years. But that organization is rivals, uh, the only rivals is Salvation Army as far as philanthropy, but giving uh, 25,000 units, $1.2 billion. You're not going to hear a whole lot about sports in the interview you're about to hear, but you're going to hear a lot about business as it relates to sports. Mike King, one of the biggest movers and shakers you've never heard of in the world of sports. Here he is now. In many ways, philanthropy and charity are carrying the day. The numbers that we have say that five years ago, about 7% of that humongous pie was dedicated to the broad notion of philanthropy. Today, it's about 12%. More people are investing more money because it's the right thing to do and more people understand the metrics as it relates to corporate America, clearly the right thing to do. We are here at the Volunteers of America LPGA Texas Classic, the old American golf course in new in the colony, Texas. Mike King, who is the CEO and president of Volunteers of America, thank you for being here and what an incredibly prolific organization. Honored to be here. Tell us about the organization. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, we are fortunate. We are fortunate as an organization that we've been around 122 years uh, uh, since 1896. 
Uh, we have been serving America's most vulnerable all of that time. We have about 15,000 employees nationwide. We're in about 400 communities nationwide. We serve about 1.3 million people nationwide uh, and truly in hardcore human service areas. Uh, we are the largest uh, owner and operator of affordable housing in America, and that's primarily affordable housing for low-income seniors uh, as well as disabled. Uh, we are one of the oldest organizations that have been serving America's veterans. The first veter veterans that we served uh, in America were veterans of the Civil War, uh, and so we've been dealing with, with PTSD long before they knew what it was, uh, uh, and, and even into now an area called moral injury that is probably the underlying cause of most veteran suicides that we hear about. In addition to that, uh, we are uh, one of the leading uh, folks serving in alcohol and drug addiction, uh, as well as our founder began the programming called prisoner reentry programming or halfway houses for folks coming out of incarceration and then getting reconnected with their families and jobs and all of that to be get back functioning in, in normal life. And with all due respect, and it's maybe because I'm not as well read as most people are, Volunteers of America is not on the tip of everybody's tongue. That's right. Although it should be, to be <laughs> honest be. about it. It should be. It should be. So how does golf and their $4 billion philanthropic bent and this tournament, for example, specifically help? Yeah, thank you very much for asking that question. Yes, we we have been far too humble for uh, those 122 years, and thanks to our work with the Richards Group, uh, we've been trying to sort of undo that, if you will, for the last five years uh, to get our name out and literally brand the organization. Uh, and our involvement with the LPGA was an effort in that regard. Uh, we started as just a small, tiny little sponsor the first year this tournament w w was in Texas, and after a couple of years, uh, we're approached by Mike Wan to see if we'd like to be the title sponsor, and a little bit of a nonprofit discount rate, if you will, uh, that'll, that'll, that'll stay between us, and, and it's been the best thing that ever happened to us, because now suddenly when I'm on airplanes, which I'm on a lot, uh, the folks sitting next to me have heard of us. Uh, uh, every golf fan has heard of us, uh, and it's, 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 it's been an amazing payback to us. And from a business perspective, business show, business outlet, you have 32 regional affiliates around mm -hmm. the country, mm -hmm. and I'm sure though the venue of this tournament is in North Dallas, this helps nationally as well. It absolutely does because you know many of those affiliates also do local golf tournaments as fundraisers. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a common fundraiser. So the connection with the LPGA Tour has a direct benefit back to those tournaments. So tell us about your corporate partnerships. The incredible thing is that you've had $11 million of uh, building or improving housing for homeless veterans. And a lot of that program is a partnership with Home Depot. Tell That's us right. about it. That's right. The Home Depot Foundation uh, came to us about five years ago and just said, said to us they were going to start a brand new initiative to increasing veterans' housing in, in America uh, and wanted us to be one of the central agencies that they would route funds through to do this. Uh, and we were fortunate. We were blessed. Uh, we are we're very appreciative of what they've done. It's a natural fit and partnership with them. Uh, uh, and it means that... that more veterans have places to live, literally places to live, uh, and places to recover as, as they start that transition. But those are, are similar to also ones that we have with Niagara Bottling, similar kind of relationship. HSBC was really the first corporation to fund our work in, in, in moral injury in serving veterans. Uh, it's, without those corporate partnerships, we couldn't be effective. You make the primary sale with your corporate partners, and you're sitting in a boardroom, and they understand the moral imperative of all this. Mm -hmm. Is there a metric analysis that brings them over the top? Is it doing the right thing? Is there some ROI nexus? How do you close the deal? Well, you know, frankly, there are 
metrics like that for the ROI that, that if, if you take a veteran, let's say, that is homeless or maybe has had an addiction issue and you, and you get them into recovery and into treatment and they become a, a, an employed citizen and paying taxes, there's an absolute financial ROI. And, and so we can demonstrate that and it's, it's, it's helped us great, a great deal. Let's talk about taxes. So you are clearly a champion of philanthropic giving. You've appeared before the House Ways and Means Committee. You've championed the testimony about making sure that the charitable deductions in all forms are not eliminated. Um, are we at risk? You know what? None of us really know what's going to happen until that next return is filed. Yeah. Uh, 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 absolutely, there's that, there's that situation with the, with the larger tax deduction uh, 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 coming from the government. It means that it'll be tougher to take that tax deduction for charity because you've got to be doing the long form, and that means many, many more deductions there. We don't know yet how that's going to impact us at the, at the end of the year. We'll know in December. Uh, we will absolutely know in December. Uh, we appreciate the fact that they left us in there, that they, that they didn't eliminate it. Uh, and so we considered that a victory and, the, and that they left some other things in there, like low-income housing tax credits that finances yeah. most of the affordable housing in America. So we are, we are appreciative of that. What's it like teetering on the edge? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, we live it every day, yeah. every single day. And, and, and so the things that, that, that I look at immediately are these little bulletins I get from the Washington Post. Yeah. You know, that literally come in, hit this, this just hit, that just hit. Uh, because it literally does change day to day, as you know. And it's, but it's a bigger issue than that, obviously. And without getting too political, this is not an issue that can be resolved in one tweet versus another. No. You have stability bonding financing commitments that people make that's right. for people who build infrastructure like you, right. and they have to sustain over time. That's right. And, 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 you know, you need to hear a good story coming out of Washington every now and then. And, and I have to share that we had our national board meeting and, and convening in Washington with a fly-in, with, with, with a major briefing on the opioid crisis, and literally two weeks later, the bill passed. Uh, uh, funding that, again, that's a perfect example of funding recovery instead of just dealing with the damage done. And so thank you to Congress for doing that and to all the folks that listen to us. You're a world-class academic. Get this title, the RGK Center for Philanthropy and Community Service at the LBJ School of Public Policy. That's a mouthful, but we're not done. He taught a course called Innovations and Trends in the Nonprofit Sector, developed it, taught it five years ago. What are the latest trends in the nonprofit sector relative to corporate philanthropy? You know, one of the biggest trends would be uh, 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 Social impact ventures uh, and literally getting folks to invest in that uh, is, is one of the major trends. And then also really looking at being more conscious of your marketing among, among nonprofits because it, as is any other business, it's a competitive world. Uh, and folks have a lot of choices, especially on, on the Internet. So more conscious of, of marketing as well as social impact investing, two major trends. Is it easier today to raise corporate dollars because people are more creative, or is it harder because corporations are getting more selective? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, 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 I'm going to go to the positive side. I think it is easier in a way because I think, I, I think there's a higher consciousness level uh, among everyone. And, and, and I see American corporations doing everything they can to give back. And again, as we had stated in an earlier interview, to really do it to service their own employees, yeah. that everybody lives someplace. And they really do stay grounded to that. 
What more can sports do to enhance corporate uh, philanthropy? And basically, what is the power of sports? Yeah, yeah. You know, it has an amazing power because sports brings people together from all kinds of disciplines. You know, it's not just from one area. And as you bring all those people together, you have the chance to form relationships. And it's around those new relationships that you can form that suddenly creates new opportunities. You know, new opportunities for philanthropy, for, for, for private ventures, you name it. And so that's, that's what sports does. It's a gathering place. Mike, if, if I'm closing a philanthropic deal and I want passion and I want commitment and I want intensity, I want Mike King. Thank you very oh, much for doing you. this. Thanks thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mike King, a lot of experience. You can look at uh, what he's done. Uh, 40 years, the, the, uh, one of the top volunteer organizers, but he's sponsoring this event in Dallas that Octagon runs and is a significant event on the uh, Women's Golf Tour, the LPGA, the Texas Classic, Volunteers of America Texas Classic LPGA event, and they made it possible for golf to return to Dallas. But more important, it's a new model, I think, not a regurgitation of an old model. Uh, Give me your perspective, at least out of this interview, Dan. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I think you, you explained it well, and I'd, I'd love for you to do, do that for the listeners, too. But, you know, basically what he does as a philanthropic organization is gather up interested parties and then take them as almost like a package of sponsorship to a, a, a tournament, right, or an event. So he'll go into, let's say, Nashville or, or Dallas and line up Home Depot, um, Chick-fil-A and name two or three others, and, and they move in a package both in what they offer to Volunteers of America and how that's connected to the tournament. And it, it's brand affiliation. So when he talks about Home Depot with $11 million to build or improve housing for formerly home homeless veterans, that's a deal that he can bring to a story when he sponsors not just a Dallas event, but when he's involved in golf all across the country, and of course the same thing for Capital One, Niagara Bottling, HSBC, uh, all of the companies that he deals with. So the model is not just volunteerism in sports. That's tried and true, but this breaks out of the box. It's how you can take other corporate relationships and bring them to the table with sports, and it's, and it's working. Yeah, I mean, the relationship thing is, is tough. We, we're seeing it. And you, you mentioned, you know, we're talking about golf here, which is generally polite as a sport, right? There's no CTE. Uh, there's no beanball. There's no faces into the glass, right? Like, so there's, there's, a, a, some, there, there's that, that genre of sport that corporations respond very well to. On the flip side, the social issues... Um, that we see plaguing the NFL um, that the owners can't seem to resolve and the players are still feeling agitated. What you see in the NBA with outspoken coaches, um, a Popovich, a Kerr, uh, a Stan Van Gundy, you know, they're not shying away from controversy. Um, so to counter that, I, I think there does have to be authentic philanthropic issues, not just, right, not just the, the nod to sponsorship or, you know, bring in a couple, you know, bring in the, the Boys Club of America to watch a game anymore. I think this kind of integrated effort is, is going to become more important as sports move into these, move into areas and they, it's part of the economic development 
equation, you know, and, and you see it even in investing. You know, the big category of investing right now is ESG or impact investing, which is how do these companies operate in the environment? Um, are they sustainable? Are they have solid corporate governance? Are they good corporate citizens? That's becoming a really important part of like big, large scale financial management. Now, if, 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 you, if you look at that kind of impact sponsorship, <laughs> and if we can coin a phrase here, that does seem to be able to have a little traction because it's the same players uh, with it's the same players holding the wallet. And impact sponsorship is really important in other context. You know, you, you have all of these companies who take ROI, and it's the same kind of answer no matter what, how you ask the question. It's ROI is important to us, but we do this doing good, doing great by doing good beyond traditional ROI measurement. Doing the right thing is really important. Now, your comment is exactly right corporate governance, restructuring, political sensibility, all of those issues are really important. And when you spend this kind of money, it makes it easier to make kind of arguments. When you have a solid volunteer base in other contexts, building things for veterans, doing some really good things. And remember, 15,000 employees, nation's largest affordable housing portfolios. It's beyond sports. This is the guy who was chosen as one of the key people who provided testimony before the House Ways and Means Committee focused on the negative effects of capping, capping charitable income tax deductions that would have on human service providers and the people they serve. You hear in the interview, we drew that out of him. It was a big issue. He likes to talk about it. But it, 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 when, when Congress talks about limiting and eliminating tax deductions for charities, it's not just the traditional write-offs, but this is the kind of stuff that would be affected. So Mike King serves a very important role, not only in sports, but business and politics as well. Sure. And two other points we can make on this, Rick, and I, it's worth knocking around a bit. Like, there, you know, you talked about the federal government, and there is this privatization of the safety net happening, you know, um, where uh, philanthropists are going to have to step into places where the federal government maybe doesn't want to be anymore, at least this iteration of the federal government. So that's on one side. On the other side, if you think of a sports league or an event as a consumer brand uh, or a franchise as a consumer brand, you saw what happened to ABC in the wake of Roseanne this week. You know, consumers are making decisions based on this and because of social media, have the ability to spread a movement, pro or con, uh, against a certain brand or for a certain brand. And that goes a long way. So the sports world is not um, operating in isolation. You know, it's not just entertainment. Players, coaches, franchises aren't staying in their lanes politically, socially, um, culturally. And there needs to be this kind of cushion. And I, I you know, why did Willie Sutton rob his banks? Because that's where the money was, right? Okay, this right. is where this is where interested organizations need to be. You know, if you're Mike King, you need to be teamed up around some of these franchises and some of these franchise events and bring sponsors to something that is good for them as well as being good. So I, I think there's I think it's a, it's an interesting interview. I thought I thought the, 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 the concept was pretty interesting and I think there's a business hook. Um, and you, I think we're going to see it more. I think we're going to look at this interview and say, well, there wasn't a ton about sports specifically in there. And then I think we're going to look back on this interview, uh, you know, over the next year and say, oh, yeah, that's kind of what Mike King was talking about. And we're going to see that more and more. And when, when Mike King talks about not only the employees that he brings to the table and his programs are basically substance abuse, development disabilities, low-income housing it's not lip service. It's a big, big deal. And I totally concur that this is one of the major directions where sponsorship is heading, not just 
uh, for the sake of sponsorship, but for sports as well. As we get more and more into the business of the major golf tournaments, the U.S. Open, the British Open, let's remember this interview as it applies not just to golf but other aspects of sports, and we get more and more into it in the months ahead. Ricaro, Dan Calaruso, see you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen, associate producer, Freddie Joyner, assistance provided by Carlos Waddick, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.